Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ, and welcome to the Innocence Redeemed Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Bergman, and the topic of today's show is called Faith in Jesus or Faith in Idols. So some of you might recall that a few years ago, I posted a blog on a dream I had where everything was turned upside down. And I'd like to share that again because I feel I'm being led to do that. So on the morning of April 11th, 2021, I had a dream where it appeared everything was turned upside down. And what I mean is there was what we see here on earth, but in the sky, there was a city and there were buildings, but they were all turned upside down. And I remember in the dream being very unsettled. And I specifically recall in this dream the capital of the United States, along with other landmarks and other buildings surrounding it, almost like it was a fake manufactured city that was parallel to what we see and know is real. And it appeared to be above New York because I could see many buildings on the ground, and many of them looked familiar, and there was also a harbor nearby. I also believe this is where I saw it in the dream because New York is a major financial center and I saw bankers and financial leaders. What I saw in the sky in this dream almost looked fake and plastic, like there was something that you could tell was not real about it. And, you know, again, I was unsettled because I was like, what am I looking at? And I recall taking pictures with my phone, but when I tried to send them out to those I knew, they either said that they didn't receive them or when I pulled up the pictures on my phone, it was as if they were static and not visible. Or it was forbidden to share it for whatever reason. In other words, those I attempted to show it to were given over to the delusion. And I recall seeing people in this dream, like past co-workers and acquaintances, And I was trying to say, look, hey, do you see that? And for whatever reason, they were oblivious to it, even though this was like, I mean, it was a huge city in the sky upside down. And they were too busy to notice or didn't even have an interest to take notice. And the ones I ran into walking around, they seemed indifferent. I remember walking around trying to tell anyone I could. And I came up upon a group of businessmen. And for some reason, I got the impression that they were tied to financial institutions of some sort. And these men, they appeared to be swarming around this statue, almost worshipping it and bowing down to it. And the statue, it represented something, though it wasn't clear what it was. And its hand was raised with a finger pointing in a northeast direction. I'm not sure what that meant. or if it was meant to be pointing at the deception itself. And when I looked to the direction it was pointing, this quote-unquote city that was in the sky appeared to still be there, but it was drifting further away, and yet people were still not paying attention or noticing it. And so I you know, was wondering, did this signify that this deception was moving in order to fool the whole world? So... Fast forward three weeks later, after I was, you know, after I had that dream, that's what I had been reflecting on. I and I kept praying on it and asking the Lord. I'm like, Lord, there's, I, I, I kind of understand. I feel 
It has something to do with people not listening. I wasn't really sure. And I was laying in bed one night studying 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 7 and 8. And real quick for the record, let me quote that. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. So I was asking the Lord about these verses separately, and I had already, as I just said, been asking about the dream for a while when he began to speak to me. My son, do you remember the dream I gave you? Do you remember the statue in the dream? Do you remember the people dancing around it while all was turned upside down? And I replied, yes, Lord, I do. I do remember, and I shared the dream and was trying to understand what it means. The statue represents the idols of the world. It represents the many deceptions the lost are choosing to embrace. It is not only tied to earthly pleasures and false beliefs, it is tied to deceit and lawlessness and the spirit thereof. Indeed, it represents many embracing the man of lawlessness rather than embracing the truth in me. My son, you have been asking why. That for as obvious as the deception is, why they can't see. It is because many have hardened their hearts. These have embraced lies of wickedness and refused to hear my calling. They have refused to see what I have shown them. Events will begin now to give them one last chance to call on me. When you see these begin, lift them, that is the lost, up to me, that I may rescue them from the hour of their trial. Those who refuse me still will be given over to the deception. And I said, O oh Lord, what if they still won't listen? What are your people to do? My son, do not focus on those who will not listen. Your job is to tell others what I have told you to say to them. My children are to continue on in their assignments regardless of what they hear, regardless of what they see. Keep your focus on me. As you are witnessing, much lawlessness abounds now against many. There is great heartache and strife among you. A great war has begun, and soon this war will be against my own. As these occur, my people will be tempted to respond. My people must not give in to the temptation to engage in behaviors not of me. In any behavior of lawlessness you see, in any deception you see, you are not, and he emphasized not, to take part. Do not believe it. And by saying don't believe it, he means the deception. You are to stress this strongly to my people. No matter what you see, keep your focus on me and remember my word. My people are to stand strong in their faith in the face of adversity and wait for me. I will come for my own and gather them. You will know when I am calling you. Stand strong in that which you know of me. So the Lord in that dream was revealing to me that many have been blinded because they have placed their trust in spirits of apathy, which also is a form of pride. They've put their trust in greed, thinking, you know, it's okay to rip other people off. And above all else, idolatry, which that's the worst of them, aside from the pride. So, you know, many say they have faith, but they are placing this faith in the wrong place or in the wrong people. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, our faith 
should be solely in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus comes before anything or anyone else. But many are in actuality choosing everyone and everything else before the Lord. Many now, as they are seeing these things happen, are running back to the world and clinging on to it. Many still believe in false hope. And the word is very clear that in the last days we will witness this and that many will not receive the truth. 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 through 4. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Now, I quote 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 through 4, because it ties into what I'm going to present next. One of the words the Lord has given me to study has been Romans 11. Now, when we take a look at the following verses, we can see why his people were blinded. God hardened their hearts and gave them over to their own desires because they were stubborn. They loved their idols. They loved their sin. The following verses illustrate what it will be like when those who preach the Lord's truth will come under persecution. Starting on verse 2, Romans 11. No, God has not rejected his own people, whom he chose from the very beginning. Do you realize what the scriptures say about this? Elijah, the prophet, complained to God about the people of Israel and said, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And do you remember God's reply? He said, no, I have 7,000 others who have never bowed down to Baal. And there's a lot of Baals right now. They are resurrecting everything that was in the Old Testament. It is the same today, for a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace, his undeserved kindness in choosing them. And since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. So this is the situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the favor of God they are looking for so earnestly. A few have, the ones God has chosen, but the hearts of the rest were hardened. Verse 8, as the scriptures say, God has put them into a deep sleep. To this day, he has shut their eyes so they do not see and close their ears so they do not hear. That's what the Lord meant when he said, Do not focus on those who will not listen. Your job is to tell others what I have told you to tell them. That means those who do have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Now, God can lead who he wants, and we should be praying more individuals who are lost or backslidden into the kingdom, but not everyone is going to heed the calling. But going on in Romans 11, verse 9, likewise, David said, let their bountiful table become a snare, a trap that makes them think all is well. Let their blessings cause them to stumble and let them get what they deserve. Let their eyes go blind so they cannot see and let their backs be bent forever. Did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. They were disobedient. So God made salvation available to the Gentiles, but he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. 
Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when they finally accept it. That is, finally accept God's gift of salvation, Jesus Christ. So again, reading those verses, a recap. Romans 11, 2-12 explain why God's people were cut off. It was the sin of idolatry, placing their faith in wealth or other causes before God. Verses 2-4 through four explain part of the persecution of God's people who are trying to warn. But what is key to mention here is in verse 4, where the Lord says to Elijah, No, I have 7,000 others who have never bowed down to Baal. And for those unaware, Baal was an idol. The people the Lord is referring to is those who have remained faithful to him when you move on to verse 5. His true people did not fall beyond recovery, but it is a call to return to the Lord if you have not. If you're backslidden, come back to him as a prodigal. You know, in other words, if you grew up knowing the truth and have drifted, stop placing faith in things that don't matter. You'll note in verses 7 through 10, God punished his people because they put their faith in their own ideologies and wisdom, people, or these objects instead of him. Remember again, an idol is anything that comes or that you put before God. And there still seems to be confusion because many Christians will say they put God first, but are still holding out hope for that which is of the world. They care not for the truth that would save them, but the world and the worldly. And that's the things that don't nor won't matter very soon. 1 John 2, 15-16 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So, you know, going back to the dream, as well, where greed is concerned, those dancing around the beast statue, and actually, I forgot to mention that in the details, it looked like a beast statue, it looked like some kind of creature. I couldn't even tell what kind of creature it was, but it just looked some kind of, it was some kind of animal. It, it was not a person like you would normally see. And that wouldn't be surprising, because that's the times we're going into now. You know, those dancing around that beast statue were those who consider money their god. They're of the world. They're, you know, it is their mammon. You know, many Christians do this, and as such, they're deluded. Those are the ones who are well able to help those who are less fortunate, but instead will say things such as, well, I'll just pray for you. They'll never admit it, but they hold on hard. And so the question I have to ask is, if they do that now, will they trade their salvation once their money can't be accessed anymore? You know, it's an honest question to present because greed is a big problem, especially in America. You know, remember that Jesus summed these very points up when we take a look at Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus also said in verse 21 that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Jesus was very clear when he talked about the dividing the sheep from the goats. 
or in other words, the dividing, which, by the way, this is taking place right now. You know, taking a look at Matthew 25, verses 37 through 40. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger, or take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick, or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Do you all remember? I said, I think it was a podcast or two ago that what you're doing to others, you're doing to him or what you don't do, you're doing to him. Because it's true. That's what he that's where I, that's where that comes from. So now that is the sheep. So what happens to the goats who hold on to their idols? Well, verses 41 through 46 lay this out. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in naked, and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So, I mean, guys, when I exhort to you to live like Christians, it is very important because you will give an account for what you don't do and you know that you should do. And if it's out of fear or because you're afraid of being in lack, then what kind of faith is that? These are not my words. Those are the words coming from our king. Is Jesus your king? Who is your king? What do you worship? Is it your bank account, your money? Is it your church? Is it your wife? Is it your children? Is it your friends? Do you put them before God? Is it an ideology such as QAnon? Is it a 2024 presidential candidate? Because you're hanging on to the world hoping, just hoping that maybe it'll change? Let's go back to the friends. Maybe you're afraid of what they might think of you if you give your life to Jesus and stop engaging in worldly affairs so much. What or whom? Do you put first in your life exactly? What type of relationship do you have with Jesus? How much time do you spend in his word? How much time do you spend praying? Do you even go throughout your day talking to him? Is he king over everything you have? Is he king over you? Because last I checked, and from what my Bible says, yes, he is. And so you should be acting like it. You should be behaving as his child. For those who continue in disbelief, a separating will occur to show you as much. 
You know, I read a word earlier as it pertained to the upside down dream, but I'm going to read another one. The Lord gave me a word on the separations in November of 2021, a very short one. And I wrote it down while I was in prayer. The Lord said, many will be separated from people and possessions in this time, my son. This is not because I desire them to be in lack. It is because I desire my people would draw closer to me. Oh, my people, how you would spend less time worrying if only you would draw near to me. Now, why would he say spend less time worrying? Well, I believe what that means. This is just, you know, what I believe. He wants you to look to him as your provider. He wants you to look to him for all things. It is the idolatry that has separated many believers from the Lord because they believe they can do everything in their own strength. There are other sins as well, which we will cover in other series more in depth, but idolatry is a big one, if not the biggest one, plaguing the world today, especially many Western nations. But think about that word that the Lord gave me. In all that we have been a witness to unfolding and have been for the last few years, can you not see the warnings by now? The job losses, the dividing, the manipulation, the strife, the stress, people are acting just strange as ever. You know, add whatever you want to that list. It's growing day by day. The signs are all around us. You know, if you're if you're paying attention, you, you even unbelievers know something is not right. Okay, by now, everyone has to know that something is not right in the world. Well, the Lord's allowing these things. He wants to get your attention before the final judgments. You know, you might say it's not love to take things away, but On the contrary, what else can a loving God do to save his child? All of these different things you're seeing, changes in the weather or the allotment for them to manipulate the weather or these freak storms and tornadoes. I mean, have you not noticed we're having a blizzard right now in the United States while there's tornadoes in the South? That is completely not normal. Have you not noticed the increase of earthquakes in diverse places? All of these things are meant to get your attention. And I'm going to go on record right now. It's only a matter of time before California starts shaking, guys. But all these things are to get your attention. And I told you once that the Lord had told me about an unconventional refining coming. And what he said was those who waited and those who continued to play and those who didn't take the word seriously, they would go into that refinement. They'll go into that refinement because it was their pride. Pride will get you into a wilderness. And so what he was saying by that word was all avenues of trying to maintain will be stripped away. You know, in hindsight, anyone in disobedience will be brought to their knees one way or another. It's not only a call to repentance, but a refining in your true faith, a call to return to the Lord and understand how to trust only in him. So, you know, if it seems it's one thing after another and you can't keep your footing, understand what may have got you there. You know, if your treasure, if your top priority is only what best suits your interests, you know, if you're self-serving, that very well likely is a tall tale sign of what got you there. You know, if it hasn't already been revealed, if it's not already obvious, 
things are not going to go back to the way they were. Hope, or should I say having this faith that they will return to better by means of electing someone is considered blind faith, and it also signifies the sin of idolatry. Because you're putting your hope in the world. If your hope is in the world before it is in Jesus returning, then that's where your heart is. The love of the Father is not truly in you. You can sit there and lie to yourself all day. It doesn't change the fact. I see so many Christians putting hope in Donald Trump like he's a savior. I've seen artwork where people have put shining lights over him, returning as president, or even some obsessed with Ron DeSantis. But the reality is that the Lord ordains wicked leaders over fallen nations. That ought to show you right there the priorities are wrong. The normalcy ship sailed long ago, and when the problem is spiritual that we are contending with, electing a man is not going to change anything. That, my friends, is misplaced faith. That, my friends, is idolatry. Understand, Scripture must be fulfilled. The four horses of the apocalypse are beginning to gallop across the globe. So our hope and our faith should be in Jesus Christ and not in anything or anyone else. We're supposed to be setting our sights on that which is in heaven. The Lord is coming soon, and we should be excited about his return and getting our spiritual houses in order, focusing on the proper attire for the uniting of the bridegroom, not freedom rallies that will end up resulting in nothing. You know, that said, if that's where you're putting your hope, you're going to be very disappointed. You know, you've already been shown that your vote doesn't matter. I mean, how obvious does it have to be? Folks, faith and hope should not be in a man. Or, in fear, we are sold in order to return to normal. I say again, normal, if you can even refer to it as that, is not returning. The dangers in misplaced faith is that when it doesn't work out, many are left in a state of apathy, confusion, distress, and because they are allowing their emotions to manipulate them, they are willing to ostracize anyone who doesn't agree, and this, my friends, is where the persecution and hatred of others come into play in maintaining that illusion of normalcy, just like the dream I explained a moment ago. Do not be part of it. It's misplaced faith and delusions that will be a great cause of the falling away once much of the apostate church realizes that only accepting prosperity gospel or the happy gospel won't save them. I'm just going to get real. It is not once saved, always saved. I've said this before. You must continue to live the word, putting your faith into action. It can be tough out there, but you can't give up. We're already witnessing that in the indifference and cognitive distance. It's been, it's been taking place now for a while. And I emphasize this so you're aware and do not fall into that category so that you can snap out of it, hopefully. I mean, it's my prayer that God has not hardened your heart if you're listening to this. You want to obviously know answers, so I feel you're here for a reason. But this is why I hammer it so hard. The bottom line here is this. Many have fallen away. They're turning back to the world as things get crazy out there. The Lord separately indicated this to me a few weeks ago. And, you know, beyond that, I remember seeing polls a few years ago 
that were conducted that indicated many have renounced their faith or said that they no longer believe or have a use for God. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, this is alarming, and it further goes to show why we're in the shape we're in. Christians and Gentiles alike can deny it all they want, but that's the reality. America and others have abandoned God. It's a fact. You know, for those who have abandoned God, if God weren't real, explain why the globalists are running around trying to eliminate him from everything and are working on persecuting Christians. Did anybody happen to see there was a man in a mall? I can't remember where it was. He was wearing a Jesus shirt. They removed him from the mall. If there's nothing to be afraid of, why are there antichrists at the World Economic Forum speaking blasphemy against the Most High? It was in Daniel, I think, chapter 7, verse 25. The antichrist, or the beast, will seek to change times and laws, and will speak blasphemies against the Most High. That right there ought to show you where we are. You know, they don't fear God, but as a believer, you should, and you should be putting on that proper attire. And if you're an unbeliever, you need to be picking a side and quick. Stop goofing off. You know, if you're new to the faith, or a prodigal, son or daughter, who has been walking on the wrong path and now, now you're realizing it and you're coming back, you have to realize it has been Satan's goal for millennia to take as many souls with him to hell as possible. You know, you've heard the saying, the devil is in the details. And it means exactly what it sounds like. Satan is the father of lies. And he's set many traps. You know, polluting our mind with spirits and all these things that make us feel good. You know, an example of that, just turn your TV on, watch an hour, just watch an hour. You could just watch, oh, I don't know, the Weather Channel, and you'll see women dancing around in bikinis and midriffs and like, ooh, this is sexy and ooh, this is hot and this is what you should like. And any other time you look at normal ads anymore, and you know, this is in America for those of you abroad, and they make people look, they make it look cool to be stupid. Do you think that it's cool to look stupid? Do you like that they mock you? Because that's exactly what the enemy's doing. He's playing off your emotions and things that God designed for good to make you think that that's okay. And it's not because the word declares so. And partially, that's what I mean when I talk about the church giving only happy doctrine, not talking about the sin. You know, when the feel-good is actually a detriment to our eternity and not God's will at all. Sometimes you have to face the uncomfortable. You know, no pain, no gain. God has and does bless us greatly. But when we began kicking him out of everything, we brought this in on ourselves because we allowed evil to take hold. And now it's out of control and still not realized by many. You know, when the elections of 2020 were taking place. I'll never forget one morning I was praying. I was sitting on my patio having coffee and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what's going to happen with these elections? Because I'm getting a discernment. What election is what I believe I heard. So that was hit number one. And then I asked more about it. And he was quiet 
for a number of days, and I kept asking and asking, and he said, I'm going to give America exactly what she wants. Look around you. Look at the perversion. Look at the greed. Look at the prices. Look at everything, the lying, everything. That is what we're being given over to. He meant exactly what he said. You know, going back to Romans 11, when you look further on in verses 13 through 19, this shows us that God's people were disobedient. And where they initially were grafted into the olive tree as a branch, you know, being part of it, they were cut off because they drifted away and they disobeyed his decrees and placed faith in elsewhere. Verse 13, Romans 11, I am saying all this, especially for you Gentiles. God has appointed me as the apostle to the Gentiles. I stress this, for I want somehow to make the people of Israel jealous of what you Gentiles have, so I might save some of them. For since their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance will be even more wonderful. It will be life for those who were dead. You know, they were dead in their sins. You know, that's why God calls many who used to be very much part of the world to preach. Because you had to go through it and have been through it to realize what is wrong so you can lead others out of that and back to him. And since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, their descendants will also be holy, just as the entire batch of dough is holy because the portion given as an offering is holy. For if the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be too. That is why if you conduct yourself in a manner that is pure and holy of the Lord, you'll be blessed. You won't be cursed. If you stop living in his way, you'll be grafted out. Going on in verse 17, but some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. And you Gentiles, who were branches from a wild olive tree, have been grafted in. So, now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You are just a branch, not the root. Well, you may say, those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, and this is key. But remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you are there because you do believe. So don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. Oh, fear what could happen if you don't live for him. For if God did not spare the original branches, he won't spare you either. I want to stop right there and just say, this is why I consistently talk about you must do what the word says, not just be a hearer of it, not just go to church once a week and you say, amen. But then when you're put to the test, you forget. Going on in verse 22, notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe toward those who disobeyed, but kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you also will be cut off. And if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they will be grafted in again, for God has the power to graft them back into the tree. That is what I'm trying to say with America. When I talked about how they, there was a poll 
And even in Europe, I've heard this, like, well, we don't, we don't have a need for God. We can just do what we want. Sexual freedom to do what we want. You know, our greed, you know, our idolatry. To, no, 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 no. Verse 24, you by nature were a branch cut from a wild olive tree. So if God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you into his cultivated tree, he will be far more eager to graft the original branches back into the tree where they belong. In other words, if you haven't been living for him, and if the world has been more important, repent from that and come back to him, return to him, confess your sins, because he is faithful to forgive. You know, some of you listening to this may scoff at me and say I'm wrong, and I can understand that if you attend a church where they only teach or talk about fluffy and pretty things. It's not that you're necessarily a bad person, but you've been greatly misled, and you've been promised only the blessings. But if you had a child, and your child doesn't behave, are you going to give them an ice cream cone? Kind of same thing. The blessings apply, but only when we're living for Jesus Christ. You can't be living for your idols in the world. The Lord does desire to bless his people, but this blessing should not take precedence over our reverence for Jesus. And I'm sorry to say, but greed and extortion, you know, that's manipulating and trampling over others to get what you want. And the wanting, mentioning want, those have become a staple of the Western world. Psalm 62, verse 10 says, don't make your living by extortion or put your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases, do not make it the center of your life. You know, we need to recognize where we went wrong and turn from wrong teachings. How can people know the righteous way if they were not told or if they're barely told? You know, there has to be a healthy balance to know what is good versus what is evil. And I'm sorry to say, many have gotten away from the true teachings. Either it's not brought up or the unpleasant things are omitted. You know, that's why I started this whole thing with, you know, the tickling, itching ears verses, because it's very much pertinent. I've even seen comments where some will say the Old Testament doesn't apply. And I'll tell you this with certainty. If someone tells you that, they're lying. It very much does apply. You know, believing it doesn't, is yet just another form of distortion. It's adulterating the word. It's adulterating the truth if you stop and think about it. You're trying to make a God in your own image. That is idolatry. If the Old Testament did not apply, we would not have the Ten Commandments and the number one rule being, thou shall have no other gods before me, for I am a jealous God. As it is written in Exodus 20, 4 through 5. You know, and additionally, what do you think Jesus was talking about in many of the scriptures where he referenced and said, as the scriptures say? He was pointing to the Old Testament. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. This is 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people, craving money, have wandered from the truth and pierced themselves with many sorrows. If you let 
your money control you, you are not free in Christ, I'm sorry to say. Because that's your idol, that's your mammon. Now, let's get into that, because you might be wondering where I'm going with this. Well, the Lord has put it on my heart to talk about this, because he has said that the sins of idolatry and greed, you know, the wanting, will ultimately lead to the betrayal of many in this season and the destruction of those who betray. You know, Jesus himself, he was betrayed by Judas over money. Why? Because of temptation. Judas was promised riches and sold out Jesus. Now let's take a look at Mark 14, verses 10 through 11. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priest to arrange to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted when they heard why he had come, and they promised to give him money. So he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Moving on to verse 18. As they were at the table eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one? Moving on to verse 40. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know what to say. When he returned to them the third time, he said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But no, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. So Jesus already knew. And immediately, even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests the teachers of religious law, and the elders. The traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Then you can take him away under guard. As soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. So, you know, as a side note, but related... Did you know there are Judases in the church who are actually kind of doing the same thing? It's true. I've heard a few stories about churches being used for money or betraying others to get an upper hand for whatever reason. I've even heard of instances of jealousy. And these are very real and going on. To anyone doing as such, You should be aware of the curse that befalls you for repaying good with evil. And you know who you are if you've been doing it. This is laid out in Proverbs 17, verse 13. Whoever rewards evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. So if you're stealing money from a church, that money is going to be cursed. That means essentially you are under a curse. So that verse from Proverbs 17 is very serious. Betrayal is exactly that, especially doing it for ill-gotten gains, which is in and of itself a form of greed. I'd stop if I were you. That is a word for someone listening to this. Brothers and sisters, though it may not be realized at first, many of the verses I am posting here in connection to what was done to Jesus are very much connected to what Jesus said would happen to many of us in Matthew 24. Some of that is playing out now. For example, Matthew 24, 9 through 10. It relates to these verses in Mark 15, 19, when Jesus was beaten after he stood trial before he was crucified. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed 
You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Let's look at how it relates to Mark 15, 19. And they struck him on the head with a reed stick, spit on him, and dropped to their knees and mock worship. That is what's happening right now. Mocking of the truth, disbelief, that the Lord's word doesn't mean what it says. I hope that if you're listening to this and you do that, you drop to your knees and you cry out and apologize to God and ask for forgiveness. But you know, Jesus went through the same thing that he warned us is coming. He was betrayed. He was persecuted. But you have to remember, God allowed this for our sake to cleanse us of unrighteousness by his blood. Irregardless of what comes, this is why we need to keep our eyes on him and not hold on to the world or act like the world. For when we do not, we are forsaking him, not the other way around. Remember the word he gave me? He said, keep your eyes on me and do not take part in it. That's what he means. Do not act like the world. Cry out for repentance if you realize you're in idolatry, because the kingdom of God is at hand. How we leave this earth will depend on our walk with him. You know, do you have mercy on others? God will have mercy on you. Do you bless others greatly? You'll be blessed in times of lack and leanness. But one thing is for sure, we know, without a doubt, persecution is here. Many are beginning to find out in their own families. You know, just as Jesus was betrayed by Judas, so it is written further in Mark 13, 12, a brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child and children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. That is exactly the environment that we are finding ourselves in today. You know, it's going to be really sad. Those who are doing the betrayal those who are living in greed and idolatry. Because when you look at Matthew 24, 30, and then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming back on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Why do you suppose there'll be deep mourning? The deep mourning will come from those who refuse to repent, those who refuse to receive the testimony of Jesus, to receive his love, to receive the truth of everlasting life. They were given over to a debased mind. They were given over to reprobate. And ladies and gentlemen, let's be honest, America, among others, has become a reprobate nation. You know, that's what uh, the Lord said when I said, you know, who's gonna, what's going to happen with the election? I'm going to give them exactly what they want. And, you know, and let me just say on those final judgments, they're not something to play with and test God on. I've said before, we ought to be testing God and doing what's right, not active rebellion against him. And that includes idolatry or loving the things of the earth and being caught spiritually naked, but being wretched. Like I was talking about in the last podcast I did with many rounds. All Christians, all of us should be clothed in humility, should have a fear of the Lord and should be hurrying the day along, not walking in idolatry, not walking in apathy, pride, or jealousy, the latter of which I'm going to be teaching on very, very soon. 
We want to be found in the Lord's presence, abiding in Him. What does abiding mean? Well, quite simply put, abiding is being a doer of the Word. That is, believing it and doing what it says. Walking in the faith, keeping the Lord's decrees. Do we not understand that we're not exempt from this when times get tough and people can't eat or have the same comforts due to it being arranged this way by the powers that be? Do you remember how many already demonstrated they will jump to take experimental shots for the promise of money, even though most will never see it or be alive to enjoy it in the times coming? Do you not see? How that was a prequel for the mark of the beast. They will make all the promises into the world for you to deny Christ and take that mark, but that will be a permanent condemnation of your soul if you do. Some people believe it is the mark. You know, there's talk of a element called luciferase, which highlights on the hand under a black light, and there's black lights going up in certain areas. Why? And why is it tied to a passport like the WEF is pushing? As Christians, we need to be aware of what is really happening around us so that we do not get caught up in the snares of the world. Because if we're in the world, if we're in idolatry and we're blinded by that, we are not going to see it coming like a train and you can't get off the tracks. You don't want to be tied to those railroad tracks. Do we further not think that when the man of lawlessness comes onto the scene, that laws or incentives will not be put into effect to turn in Christians in exchange for their things based upon what Judas did, and that there won't be Christians masquerading as such to lead true believers to slaughter? Because Jesus says they will. His word says they will. I've quoted it many times. You know, Ecclesiastes 1.9, history merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly no. If persecution happened before, if it happened to our Savior, it will happen to us. Matthew 24.21, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. I gave the comparisons when tying the persecution of Jesus into what he warned us would happen. Those laws are being passed now. We're seeing it. They've already been being done in secret. That's what Second Thessalonians 2 means when it's, the lawlessness is already going on in secret. You know, we need to be living for Jesus. Pray that you're worthy to escape at the coming judgments. The Lord will determine who belongs to him truly. And we should be seeking to escape that which is coming. Luke 21 verse 34 says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unaware, meaning do not be caught unaware partying like they were as Noah was getting the animals into the ark. And then the floods came and washed them away. Verse 35. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the earth. Watch ye therefore, and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape 
all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. If you're living of the world, and if you're in idolatry, you will be the ones caught mourning. Remember how I read earlier from Matthew 24, 30? And then at last the signs that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning. Watch ye therefore, and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape, because it will come as a snare. That day will come as a snare. Many people will not see it coming, and when it comes, it will be too late. For anything left in the earth will deserve judgment. Now, Jesus told us to keep watch and pray to avoid temptation. Mark 14, 38, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. This is why you must be careful not to turn back to the world. No matter what, you have to go through the discomfort of the battle. And we're all in a refining. I'm in a refining. Everyone you know, if you listen to Glinda, she's in a refining. All of us, we're all going through it. Everybody I know is going through it. There is a huge series of faith tests going on right now. And I know so because the Lord is quiet during those times of testing. And lately, he's been not speaking as much as he normally does. And that usually means there's testing and patience tests. So be aware if you're going through that. This is why we talked about the tests and the trials. It's why I've talked about endurance and having on those proper garments and keeping that oil in your lamp, living in the light, works by faith, showing others by example, being the light, having the salt. In this season, everything you do matters and carries great weight. Everything I mentioned concerning apathy, greed, indifference, and idolatry is building. It's building to a crescendo in the way that it's conditioning many to misbehave to the point that those in those sins are blinded by them. They cannot see. It gets to a point where if you don't repent, God gives you over to it. Don't be that guy. Don't be that lady. You know, if you've been grafted out of that olive tree, cry out to the Lord that he graft you back into it. Start abiding in him. Come back to him. Don't run. Because time is running out. 1 John 2, verses 22 through 29. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you must, so you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he promised us. I am writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. You know, that's what the world does. That's why I'm like, is your idol your friends? Because are you more about impressing them? Because if you keep trusting in the wrong people, they will lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, 
and what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. Seek the Lord in fellowship. Come away from the world. Come away from the world. Come out from among them. And now, dear children, this is verse 28, still in 1 John 2. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. You know, don't be caught in the nakedness like I talked about in the last podcast. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we will also know that all who do what is right are God's children. Did you hear that? Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. So if you hear the words that I've been preaching and you continue to rebel, if you continue to mock and scoff and laugh and think that these things won't happen, that guy's a windbag, you'll be shown the unconventional refining and it will not be fun. I will just tell you one more time, that is not something I would test God on. We do not, in the end, want to deny our faith, as by doing so is denying Jesus, as we are warned of. We especially need to be bold and vigilant of that which is misleading, because it is causing many to stumble. You know, in the times ahead, we're going to have to make difficult choices. And we have to endure patiently and be aware of the snares that would lead us astray, which I have talked about many of those today. Remember, no matter how bad it gets, 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. Do not deny the Lord for a bowl of lentils or whatever they want to inject into you or track you with, or if they turn your money digital. That is what they are getting ready to do as I record this. Jesus warns us that anyone who denies him, so he will also deny before our Heavenly Father. And lastly, my dear brothers and sisters, and believers and unbelievers, in closing, a little encouragement for those of us who are living in the light, may we remember the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, starting on verse 3. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts, so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. You know, in other words, let that light shine in your hearts, be an example. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Verse 8 is key. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, 
our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. You know, we're dying to this world every day if you're a true believer. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. You know, that is, you speak with as much faith as God gives you. If you know it is the Lord speaking through you. And if you know his word, you know when he's speaking through you. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Focus on the Lord, not the things of the earth. Focus on Jesus. Put Jesus first. Purge the idols. For those of you who are new believers, for those of you looking for answers, call on the name of the Lord, confess your sins to him. For Romans 10, 11 through 13 says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you will call on Jesus, if you will turn from your sins, or as this episode was based on, repent from idolatry and put Jesus first in your life, he will come into your life. And not just into your life, but into your heart, and you will be transformed. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, that's all I have for you this week. I pray this podcast is a blessing to you and shows you why it is important to get to know the Lord now and call on him and turn from idolatry if you were previously unaware of that sin. Thank you for listening. May God bless all of you. You all have a great week.